Yo, 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 good evening and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 141 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Week six in the NFL is in the books, and we had ourselves a couple of upsets, especially in the early window. I'll do a recap on the action in week six in the NFL, along with my takeaways. And we had a big college football weekend. I'll do a recap on all the action of week seven in college football, along with my takeaways, coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get episode 141 started. Well, you know where I'm going to start my opening take, and of course, it's in the NFL. There were some upset specials that happened in week six of the NFL season, but more on those in just a bit. Let's get to the marquee matchup of the of the week, and that was the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, everybody was looking forward to this matchup. I mean, this was a rematch of the AFC Divisional Round with the um, Chiefs won the game in overtime and denied the Buffalo Bills a chance at the Super Bowl. Well, the Buffalo Bills got some revenge by winning this game 24-20. Now, arguably, this was the game of the year in the NFL thus far through six weeks. I mean, the game started out slow, but it started to pick up in the second half. There were four lead changes in this game, and it was close throughout. Josh Allen had 329 yards three touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown drive to um, Dawson Nix, with just close to a minute left. He also had 32 yards rushing as well. Devin Singletary picked up the slap in the, in the running game. He had 85 yards rushing and 22 yards receiving. Stephon Diggs doing his thing, 148 yards and one TD. Gabe Davis, 74 yards and one TD. Patrick Mahomes had 338 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, including an interception at the at the end of the game that um, sinked the chances of the Kansas City Chiefs. He also had 21 yards rushing. But as a team, the um, the Kansas City Chiefs had only 68 yards rushing as a team. Of course, Andy Reid is not known for running the ball, so that's to be expected. Clyde Edward Hilaire only had 33 yards rushing and nothing and nobody else had over 20 yards. Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster having his best game as a chief, 113 yards, one TD. Travis Kelsey had 108 yards. Now for the Buffalo Bills, I mean, this is a good win. Now at the end, of, if, if, if it turns out they continue on this path at the end of the season and have the best record in the AFC, they could have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That means teams will have to go all the way up there to Buffalo in that cold, freezing weather. And if they have to meet the Chiefs again, which most people believe they're on a collision course for another meeting, they're going to have to go to Buffalo. They're going to have to go all the way up to Orchard Parks, New York, and West New York. And the Chiefs will have to play in cold weather. And it would be Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game if it comes down to that but we still got 11 games to go in the regular season so we can we all we can do is just imagine and possibly hope for another matchup between these two teams 
Now let's go to the rest of the games. As I said, there were some upsets in the NFL. Something that nobody expected. Let's start with the Giants versus the Baltimore Ravens. Now the Giants pulled off the upset 24-20. This game was close throughout. I mean, the Giants forced two turnovers in the fourth quarter. Daniel Jones, he didn't have a great game, just okay. 173 yards, two touchdowns, and the key ter- uh, the, and the key stat, zero interceptions. Saquon Barkley, um, continuing his comeback, 83 yards rushing and one touchdown. Lamar Jackson had 210 yards, one touchdown, one interception, including one in the fourth quarter, which which helped the Giants take the lead and kept it for good. Now the the, the Baltimore was driving, and it appears that. They were, they were going to put this game away. But Lamar Jackson threw an interception in the end zone. And then the Giants took it down the field and scored. Then, and also in the fourth quarter, they had a chance to go down the field. But Lamar Jackson was stripped. He fumbled. And the Giants recovered, sealing the Baltimore Ravens' fate. Now, one good news for the Baltimore Ravens is Lamar Jackson had help in the running game. Carry on Drake had 119 yards, one TD. Mark Andrews, the tight end, his safety blanket had 106 yards and one TD. And the rest of the team had nothing else. Which for Baltimore, this is a bad sign. That the fact that Mark Andrews, the tight end, is the only um person that Mark Lamar Jackson can count on. I mean, Devin um Dunary only had 14 yards. I mean, Demarcus Robinson had 27 yards. Josh Oliver had 21 yards. Now there's some help that they disacquired, but I'll talk more about that in my takeaways. For the Giants, they are now five and one. I mean, it's not it hasn't been pretty, but they have been getting the job done. And right now, they're behind the Eagles in the AFC in the NFC East. And these two teams haven't played yet. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward and see if the Giants can keep this up. Now let's move on to another big upset. And that was the New York Jets upsetting the Green Bay um, Packers in Green Bay 27 to 10. Now, of course, this game turned around when they blocked the um, punt and took it back for a touchdown. Zach Wilson didn't have a great game, but he had 110 yards. He had no touchdowns, but he didn't have any interceptions either. Now, if anybody that listened to my Friday podcast um, heard me say that the running game for the Jets needed to step up. And, I, and the thing I said was, Bryce Hall, Michael Carter, I'm looking at you. I'm calling you guys out to step up for the Jets, and they did just that. Bryce Hall had 116 yards rushing in one TD. Michael Carter had 41 yards. Corey Davis had 52 yards, so the passing game wasn't really needed in this one. Aaron Rodgers had 100, I mean 246 yards in one TD. They got nothing in the running game, and which is kind of puzzling to me. I mean, AJ Dillon had 41 yards. Um, rushing and Aaron Jones and he had 14 yards rushing 
Overall, they only had 60 yards rushing as a team. It's like, you kidding me? You got two big-time running backs, and you only have 60 yards? I mean, what is Matt LaFleur doing? They had um, 90 yards receiving from um, Robert Toyon and Alan Lorenza Lazard had 76 yards and one TD. And of course, they lost Randall Cobb with an ankle injury, which obviously wasn't as serious as first believed. So he'll be back sometime this year. Just don't know when. Again, for the Packers, they're now three and three. And they're, then they're two games behind the Minnesota Vikings. But I don't get the fact that they didn't they didn't run the ball effect. They didn't run the ball effectively when you have two good running backs here. I mean, you're supposed to be running the Shanahan offense. I'll talk more about that one in a minute. And you only have 60 yards rushing? And the defense? What's happened to them? They supposed, this was supposed to be a good defense this year, but yet it hasn't looked like it. So they've obviously fallen off defensively. Now for the Packers, I mean, there's a good chance they're going to bounce back. Now I still picked them to win the division. And I think some, I'm not sure Minnesota's going to sustain, but the Packers need to get together. And here's what they got coming up here. I'm just going to go probably with the next four games, at least four games. They have the Washington Commanders, the Buffalo Bills, Detroit Lions, and Dallas. Now, there's a good chance they can win all those games or they can at least go 3-1. and one. So, we'll see what happens with them. As far as the Jets go, kudos to Robert Sala, former defensive coordinator for the, 40, for the San Francisco 49ers. In year three, he seems to be getting it together. Now, he's going to need Zach Wilson to do better and be able to... Um, beat teams with his arm and be more efficient in the passing game but right now he just needs to just ride the wave use these two running backs Bryce Hall and Michael Carter until Zach Wilson becomes the quarterback he the Jets need him to be now let's go on to another upset Tampa Bay versus the Pittsburgh Steelers the Pittsburgh Steelers won this one 20 to 18 now, Tom, Tom Brady has dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers throughout his career when he was with the New England Patriots. The story of this game, though, was you saw Tom Brady on the sideline screaming at his offensive linemen. Obviously, they weren't doing their job because, I mean, they weren't running the ball effectively. Tom Brady was getting hit a lot. So he let them have it on the sidelines. Tom Brady had 243 yards and one touchdown. Leonard Fournette only can manage 63 yards rushing, 39 yards, 88 yards receiving in one touchdown. Chris Goblin had 95 yards, and Mike Evans had 42 yards. For the Steelers, Kenny Pickett, he only had 67 yards in one TD, left the game with a concussion. Mitchell Trubisky came in, had 144 yards, one TD pass. They didn't do much in the running game as a team, and that's not like a Pittsburgh Steeler team particularly a Mike Tomlin team, don't only have 77 yards rushing as a team. But, um, Chase Claypool had 96 yards receiving in one touchdown. So, does this help Does this help the Steelers get back on track? Well, we got to wait and see. 
Um, I got to see more to see, A, what, what's going to happen with Kenny Pickett. Not, as Mitchell Trubisky got his job back. And we'll see how long they can sustain. I mean, they're 2-4 and four right now. They're in a division that, you know, has the, the Bengals and the Ravens tied at three, three, three games apiece, three and three. And Cleveland's starting to fall off. But here's what they have coming up for the Steelers. They have the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Saints, and the Bengals one more time. So there's a good chance they could probably go two and two and be four and six. Or they could lose all these games and then be out of the playoff picture. Now, as far as Tampa Bay goes, right now, it's just a struggle. I mean, t- Tom Brady, the offense, has been struggling since week one. Now, to be fair, they have had injuries on, at the wide receiver, so all these guys haven't played together as a team for, cons- for a consistent amount of games. So, obviously, the timing is off. The defense, which was holding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers afloat, they're starting to um, not look good as well. So Todd Bowles, he got some work to do. They get this defense back to what we all know they can be. Now for the other upset, which upsets me. And that's the my San Francisco 49ers versus Atlanta. Now the Atlanta Falcons won this game 28-14. Now, one of the things I did say is uh, on Friday's episode that the Niners need to make sure... This doesn't become a trap game. And obviously, it was a trap game, and it fell right in the trap. But I got to give credit to the Atlanta Falcons. They they had a great game plan. They had an effective running game. They had 168 yards rushing as a team. Marcus Mariota had 129 yards. Only had one incompletion. 50 yards rushing and and one TD. Caleb Hungley had 59 yards, and Tyler Alugura, Alugura I, if I said that wrong, I'm sorry, 51 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo had 296 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Now here's the, here's the, here's the uh, most disturbing stat, the stat that bothers me. As a team, the Niners had 50 yards rushing. Now this is not a Kyle Shanahan offense. I mean, I thought... Green Bay looked bad only having 60 yards. They only had 50 yards as a team. Basically, the only reason for that is they fell behind 14 to nothing. So, the running game had to be abandoned for the passing game. George Kittle had his best game thus far since coming back. He had 83 yards pass, um, receiving. Brandon Ayuk had a, his, his coming out party. 83 yards and two touchdowns. Debo Samuel had 79 yards. Now to say this, and as you know, I'm not afraid to criticize my team when I need to. But my my 49ers did not come to play this game. Period. End of story. I don't I don't think they I don't think they played to win this game. They played not to get hurt. I mean, Nick Bosa wasn't there. He was out with his injury, which I'm glad they sat him for this game so he can get rested for next week. But the in they're, they're, the injury bug has hit the Niners again, and I think they were spooked. That they they played they played this game scared. They were just trying to get out of there without any injuries. They did have some injuries though. 
But none of the injuries seem as serious, and they all seem like they're day-to-day. Now, for the Atlanta Falcons, they're 3-3. Three and three. Now, they might... Now, if they can continue on this path, they might be able to um, win the division. But I'm not sure they'll be able to sustain. But don't be surprised. Because right now, the Panthers, the Panthers are gone. They're finished. The Saints... Just don't know if they're going to bounce back. I mean, they're looking a little, they're looking very shaky. And Tampa Bay, they're kind of shaky as well. I mean, they had a chance to win, uh, beat the Falcons the week before, but the referees took that away from them. So for the Falcons, they have the Bengals coming up, the Panthers, the Chargers, the Panthers again, and the Bears. So these next four games will determine whether the Falcons can sustain or will this finally fall off? And finally, let's go to the Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles squeaked this game out 26-17. And now they improved to 6-0, still being the only undefeated team in the NFL. The Eagles led this game 20 to nothing at one point, And it looked like this would be a first-half blowout. I was thinking to myself... Yeah, I might go to bed early if this if this game gets um, out of hand. But the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys made a rally and cut the lead to 20 to 17. But then Jalen Hurts led a strong fourth quarter drive with a TD pass to Devontae Smith to win the game to win the game. Dallas tried to move the ball, but they were stopped. And they actually brought Cooper Rush back down to earth. He had one touchdown and three interceptions. Zeke Elliott had one of his best games of the year, 81 yards rushing, and one touchdown. Tony Pollard had 41, 44 yards rushing. CeeDee Lamb had 68 yards. Jalen Hurts had 155 yards. He had 27 yards and two touchdowns, rushing and two touchdowns. Miles Sanders, 71 yards, one TD. A.J. Brown, 67 yards. Receiving one TD and Devontae Smith 44 yards and the one TD to win the game. Right now, the Eagles, they are the best team in the NFL. They're the most complete team in the NFL. I mean, they can win. They're, they're doing it with offense. They're doing it with defense. And they're doing it on the special teams as well. So right now, the Eagles are the team to beat. Now, will, will they be able to sustain this going long term? We'll wait and see. Um, I'm not going to put them in the uh, in the Super Bowl just yet. I got to see more. I mean, look, looking at their schedule, I mean, they look like they could not lose a game for the next four weeks. I mean, their their toughest their toughest schedule they, they don't the schedule don't get tough for them until Thanksgiving. Because here's what they have: they have the Steelers, the Titans, the Washington Commanders, and the Colts. All winnable games. Then after that, they got the Packers, Titans, Giants. That's when it gets tough for them. So we'll wait. We'll see what happens if the Eagles can get to nine and zero before they lose a game. Nine or ten and zero before they lose a game. That is. All right. Now let's go to my takeaways from Week Six in the NFL. First takeaway. New York state of mind. I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets, and the New York Giants. 
All the um, New York teams are doing well. Buffalo is 5-1 with the best record in the AFC. The Giants are 5-1. And, and, the, and the Jets are 3-2. Now, we all know Buffalo's going to keep it up. I mean, they, 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 right now, they got, they got one of the most unstoppable, I mean, close to unstoppable offenses in the league. The Giants, they've been winning ugly. They haven't been winning pretty, but that's all right. All wins are not equal in the NFL. And the Jets, they're one of the best teams in the fourth quarter in the NFL this season. So all they got to do is get to the fourth quarter, and they just come through. So right now, that the New York state of mind is the, 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 all the New York teams in the NFL are doing well. Second takeaway. The Baltimore Ravens have gotten receiver help. After a poor showing by this receiving core this weekend, they could sure use it. But they decided to turn to Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson today signed with the Baltimore Ravens for the rest of the season. Now one has to ask themselves. I'm sure there are other receivers out there. They turn to a guy who's past his prime. Deshaun Jackson is 35 years old. I don't know if he uh, now if he if the if he's able to get down the field, Lamar Jackson can use that arm and get get the ball to him. But I'm just not certain that he still has it anymore. So it'll be interesting to see. But they need some help at the receiving core because right now, outside of Mark Andrews, the Ravens have nobody else. That Lamar Jackson can depend on in the passing game. Third takeaway: Are the Minnesota Vikings becoming that sleeper team in the NFL? We're not talking much about the Minnesota Vikings, but the Minnesota Vikings are five and one. That's right, they are five and one. And the thing about it is, they're not winning these. They're not overwhelming teams. I mean, their last four meet, um, games. They've won by at least one score. They are number one in the NFC North. Two games ahead of the Green Bay Packers. And of course, they have the head-to-head um, victory over the Packers in week one. Now, Kirk Cousins, he's been good enough. He hasn't been great. The offense is still 19th overall in the NFL. So if the Minnesota Vikings can keep this up, they might be that they may be that, that sleeper team that nobody wants to play. Now looking at their schedule going forward, I mean they have a bye, they have a bye week. So they have a chance to figure out what's going on and maybe to improve. They got the Cardinals, the Commanders, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Patriots. Now those four in those five games that I mentioned. I only I see them winning all except one. Maybe even two. I, I see them losing to Buffalo and could possibly lose to Dallas. The rest, I see them winning. So let's what let's 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 and the defense hasn't as is a little suspect as well. So even though they're winning these games, I mean th- there's a chance that if they just to keep doing what they're doing, they might be able to come and surprise some folks. 
I mean, not completely sold on them yet, but it's just one of those teams that just just winning games quietly without a lot of fanfare. And those are the ones you have to watch out for. Fourth takeaway. Who should be who should take the most blame for the Broncos' struggles? Russell Wilson or head coach Daniel Hackett? Let's put it this way. This team was supposed to be one of those teams that, that was supposed to be a playoff team. Right now, they're two and four. And this offense is struggling. And Russell Wilson is looking like a shell of himself. I mean, what's going on here? I mean, he's had some injuries, something he hasn't had in the first nine years in the NFL as a, as a Seahawks quarterback. But last year, he had the finger. He's got the hamstring now, and he had the shoulder a week before then. Right now, he's listening to his day-to-day. But this this it just don't seem like this offense fits him. Or, or either that, or Daniel Hackett has no idea how to use Russell Wilson's skill set. But either way, I have to blame both of them. I mean, Russell Wilson, I mean... He, he, he needs to know he needs to learn how to make the adjustment obviously he has not been able to make that adjustment and and Daniel Hackett has not put in Russell Wilson on this offense in positions to succeed I mean Daniel Hackett needs to know that Russell Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers I mean they're two different quarterbacks Russell Wilson is a Hall of Famer and look at the look look at the, the talent that he that he that he's that he has. He has two good receivers who are not getting the ball consistently. I'm talking about um, Cortland Sutherland and Jerry Judy. And the running game has not been as as good. I mean, Melvin Gordon is a fumble machine. So there's a lot there's a lot of problems here. And this is disappointing for a team with high expectations. Broncos need to hurry up and get it together because they're in a division that is very tough. The Chiefs are not a 4-2. The Chargers are 4-2. I mean, the only person they're better at right now is the Raiders. And the Raiders even beat them. So this this is gonna this this is looking like they might have overpaid for Russ. And it's also making Pete Carroll look like a genius. For trading him. Because Geno Smith is playing some good ball. And finally, final takeaway is this is, is, is on the Arizona Cardinals. I have two questions here. DeAndre Hopkins makes his season debut this Thursday when the Saints take on the um, Arizona Cardinals. Can can DeAndre Hopkins save Arizona's season? And if not, should the Arizona Cardinals start having some buyer's remorse? I'm talking about re, I mean, extending coach Cliff Kingsbury and giving Kyler Murray that big contract. Now, Arizona, we're going to find out. They're 2-4 and four right now. And of course, they, they have one division loss. Actually, two division losses. So they're 0-2 in the division. Now these next, I would say the next four to five weeks are going to determine their season. 
they have the Saints this Thursday, which I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not going to talk much about that game because ain't really much to say there. They have the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Rams, and my Niners. These next five games, I think, is going to determine their season. And if they have a losing record against these five teams, I think I think their season's over. And DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be a saver. Now, I'll just go ahead and just say this. As far as the Saints go, I actually think they're, I actually think they're going to win this, beat the Saints. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. I'm not going to give you a, a great analysis on it. I'll probably check the game out and give you a, a, a recap on it on Friday. But I actually think they're going to win this game. Just a feeling. Because Jameis is not back. And, right now, and they have Andy Dalton as quarterback. And the Arizona Cardinals defense has actually held up their end. Of the, uh, held up their end. They've kept them. They've kept the Cardinals in games, but the Cardinals' offense is just inept. I mean, unless Kyler Murray's making some spectacular plays, this offense is going nowhere. So, if they if they, if they don't do nothing in these next five weeks, I think the, I think the Cardinals organiz, organization need to start looking, taking a very hard look. At what they just did in the offseason. It might be time to just go ahead and just cut their losses. And just go ahead and can Kingsbury. And possibly, maybe even, see if they can find find a, 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 a team that's willing to take this big, massive contract that Kyler Murray has. Or maybe they just need to find a coach that can utilize his skill set properly. Because obviously, Cliff Kingsbury doesn't seem... To be able to be able to do so, which we could have told you that. I mean, you coach Patrick Mahomes in college, he still had a losing record. What does that tell you? So they've been holding DeAndre Hopkins, and then of course they just um, acquired Robbie Anderson from the Panthers. Let's see if they're able to get it together this Thursday night. Now that'll conclude the NFL segment. Now let's move on to college football. What a great day in college football. Let's start off with the big one. Alabama versus Tennessee. Tennessee won this game on a late field goal, 52-49 in a shootout. For the first time in 15 years, Tennessee has beaten Alabama. I mean, this was a great game. I mean, definitely the game of the year in college football thus far. Tennessee, at one point, had an 18-point lead. I mean, it it appears like they were going to run away with this game. But, here comes Alabama, led by Bryce Young, who did play in this game. They came back, they tied the game, and then it just went back and forth. And then, Tennessee... Running back fumbled the ball. Alabama picked it up and went for a touchdown, taking a 49 to 42 lead. Then Tennessee went and tied the game up. Then Alabama had a chance to go down the field and win the game, but they missed the field goal, which given Tennessee a chance to win the game, 
So Tennessee, led by Hindu Hooker, threw a, threw a couple of pass plays down the field, got in the field goal range, and kicked the game-winning field goal. Now, I've been on this hype train with Hendon Hooker saying he should be a Heisman Trophy candidate. He had 385 yards and five touchdown passes. All five of them to Jalen Hyatt, the freshman, who had 207 yards. And they were doing this without um, Cedric Tillman, their best receiver. They had 71 yards from Jalen Wright. Hooker had 70, 56 yards um, rushing. But the story was Jalen Hyatt. 207 yards, 5 touchdowns. Bryce Young, he had 455 yards and 2 touchdown passes. Jamar Gibbs had 103 yards and 3 touchdown runs. Cameron Letu had 90 yards receiving 1 TD. Ja'Cory Brooks had um, 79 yards, 1 TD. Now for Tennessee, I mean, this is this is huge. Now this this is this of course is one of two match of, of two big games that they have coming up. Well, maybe three. I mean, they they, they got they took it at Alabama. They got ten. They got Kentucky in a couple of weeks, and then they have Georgia afterwards. And that's gonna be the game. That can determine whether they can win the SEC East. So it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting for Tennessee going forward. And I think they have a chance. They just gotta, you know, take care of business the next couple of weeks and then get ready for that Georgia matchup on November 5th. As for Alabama. I, I mentioned in, 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 in several podcast episodes that Alabama is vulnerable, and they showed it. I mean, this is this, this has got to be Nick Saban's worst secondary. I mean, one guy torched him for 207 yards. That's not like a Nick Saban defense to, to give up that many, I mean, even 100 yards to one player, much less 200 yards. I mean, Bryce Young is as good as advertised. I mean, he's definitely going we uh, one of the top two um, quarterbacks getting drafted within the first two picks so he showed what he can do but is it is it over for Alabama we all know better we, we all know better than that now going forward it doesn't get any easier for them. I mean they play Mississippi State next week they got LSU they got um, Ole Miss on the 12th of November. So, two of the next three games are going to determine whether Alabama is going to still be able to play in the SEC championship game. Now, let's move on to another big match, another big time matchup Michigan versus Penn State. Michigan won this game 41 to 17. Michigan dominated this game, basically. In the second half. In the first half, Penn State kept it close, even took the lead. But in the second half, it was all Michigan. And it was led by their running attack. They had 418 yards rushing. Blake Corm had 166 yards and two touchdowns. Devontae 
Devon Edwards had 173 yards and two touchdowns. J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, he only had 145 yards, but they didn't need it. The running game took care of everything. More on Blake um, Corm in a, in, a, in a minute. Now for Penn State, they got they didn't get hardly anything out of the running game. I, I mean, they didn't get hardly anything out of the pass game. Sean Clifford had 120 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Drew Alar at five at 37 yards passing. Sean Clifford had 74 yards rushing, so no nothing else from the other running backs, and didn't get much in the in, in the in the passing game. So for Penn State, this is their first loss of the season. Chances are, I don't think they have a shot at the Big Ten at all. Because after that, they play Minnesota next week. They play Ohio State the week after, which they're going to probably get run over. And that's basically it for them. So, Penn State's probably going to have a nice season, get to a bowl game, but that's it for them. Period. Now for Michigan, this is what this means now is they're, they're on a collision coach with Ohio State. If they can both be stay undefeated prior to their matchup the day after Thanksgiving. Or the Saturday after Thanksgiving, that is. I mean, they got they got a bye week, getting ready for their um their rival, little brother Michigan State. Then after that, they don't have much competition until Ohio State. So it'll be interesting to see if um Coach Jim Harbaugh can keep this up going forward. Now let's move on to Oklahoma State versus TCU. Now Oklahoma State was leading this game 24 to 10 at one point, and they were dominating this game. But TCU made a comeback in the second half, scoring 27 points. Oklahoma State had didn't have any points in the in the third and in the fourth quarter. But this game went into two overtimes before TCU finally pulled it off. I mean, Max Max Duggan, I mean, he had 286 yards, two touchdowns. Kendra Miller had 104 yards and two touchdowns. But that dude, Quentin Johnston, I mean, he is playing lights out at the receiving core. He had 180 yards and one TD um, catch. For Oklahoma State... Spencer Sanders, 245 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Dominic Robert Richardson, 72 yards. Spencer had 68 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And Dominic Richardson had 79 yards receiving. TCU right now, they're 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 on top of the big of the of the Big 12 right now, and they're looking. It's looking pretty good for them to go to the Big 12 championship. So they can stay the course. They're gonna be they're they're gonna be they're gonna be tough. Now will they make the college football championship? Uh, I doubt it. But hey, the only thing the only tough team they have left is Texas. So we'll wait and see what happens with them. And. The Clemson Tigers will go with will go at Clemson. They won this game 34 to 28. Now they were in control of this game for the most part. I mean, Florida State scored two touchdowns in garbage time. 
So not much to see there. DJ had 103 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Will Shipley bounced back after having a subpar game because he was injured last week. 121 yards rushing. And Antoine and Antonio Williams had 76 yards. Travis um, Jordan Travis for Florida State had 254 yards and two touchdowns. Trey Benson had 69 yards rushing. And Johnny Wilson had 70, 75 yards receiving. So Clemson has beaten Florida State for like the seventh straight time. Now Clemson is now number four now that Alabama has taken a fall. And all they have to do is just continue on the path and win the ACC and possibly challenge for a playoff spot. But of course, they got a tough one coming up this week with number 14 ranked Syracuse and they're playing some good ball. We'll talk more about that one on Friday. Now let's move, let's go on and get my takeaways from week seven in college football. Now, of course, we're entering the second half of the season for college football. And of course, it's now crunch time. It's time for teams to try to establish themselves, get some big wins, and hopefully for some, some wins over some top teams to make their case to get in the college football playoff. But of course, they also have to win their division as well. Now, I said I'd, I talked about Blake Corm from Michigan. I'm going to say this. This guy, I know that most, most of the Heisman Trophy guys are, 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 going to be quarter, are going to be quarterbacks. But Blake Corum has almost 1,000 yards receiving. And is only halfway through the season. And has 13 touchdown rushes. Shouldn't we be putting him in the Heisman Trophy conversation, you think? I think so. I mean, he's he's obviously the best running back in college football right now. So I want to um do I'm gonna be a hype guy not only for um Hendon Hooker for Tennessee, but I think I'm gonna be a hype guy for Blake Corum to at least um get an invitation to the Heisman Trophy um ceremony. Another, another takeaway in college football, is this the time to pick off Alabama and deny them a championship in the um, SEC and in the college football playoff? As I stated, he's got Mississippi State and Ole Miss the rest of the way as, as far as the top, as far as tough, um, tough matchups. If this is the time to get Alabama, it's right now. Because they have shown some 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 cracks in their armor. I mean, the defense is definitely look, looks terrible. I mean, giving up 52 points. I mean, this this secondary, I mean, is, is probably Nick Saban's worst in his 15 years there. So there's a good chance that some way, somehow, Alabama can be can have two losses and not play for the SEC championship, this is the year to do it. Because not only that, next year, they'll be looking for another quarterback. Because Bryce Young is going is going to be pick number one or two in the NFL. So 
I would say this is a time for college football to knock Alabama off and knock them and this is the year to do it. My um, third takeaway, what happened to USC? Okay, I didn't talk much about that game. They lost that game that they dominated early to Utah. But it showed that their defense obviously isn't as good as 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 we as I thought it was. Now offensively they can score some points with Khalid Williams. But right now, their defense is suspect. And right now that that other team across the way, UCLA, they now just got got in the top 10. And Oregon's in the top 10, and they're gonna have a showdown this coming Saturday. More on that on Friday. But USC, one more loss, and that's a wrap for them. And final and and my final takeaway is here are my top um, candidates for the Heisman Trophy. Of course, CJ Stroud is number one. I'm still going to keep Bryce Young in, in, in the conversation because, I mean, he's played well. I got um, Hendon Hooker and I got Blake Corn. Those are my top four for Heisman Trophy. And I hope Blake Corn gets a, um, an invite. But those are, my, those are my top four going into the second half of the, season, of the um, college football season. Now, this will conclude episode 141 and conclude uh, conclude my college football segment and it will conclude episode 141 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you stream your podcast from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13 and at, on Twitter and follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading, and streaming. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Bye-bye.